Well, good morning. Happy New Year, and uh, welcome to family-style worship this morning. We do understand that there are kids, and they're squirming, and they're screaming, and it's okay. We're all family here, and it's just just part of it. So we're excited that they're in here, and, and uh, we're glad that you're here to start the new year um, as we turn a calendar. And this year, as it comes up, as we move from this year to next year, this, this year, maybe many of you have already made New Year's resolutions. Maybe you refuse to do that because you know you'll break them. Uh, maybe it's just you can't wait to stay up until 10 o'clock tonight and go to sleep on a normal, normal time. I don't know what it is. But as we look at changing the calendar, we look at what we've been waiting for. We've been waiting for a new year. We've been waiting for this moment. Maybe for many of us, this is the year that... You get that long-awaited vacation that you planned months ago, and you're like, now it's the year. Maybe this is the long-awaited year that you're going to have that wedding that you've been planning. Maybe it's the long-awaited year that you get to welcome your first child into the earth. Like, it's just one of those things. As we get closer, we've been waiting. We're excited for new beginnings. Well, as we get into the Lord's Word this morning, as we go to Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 21, through 40, as we continue through the gospel according to Luke, really we're, we're met with a new beginning. We're met with those who have been waiting for a new beginning. And so as we look here, we see that it begins in verse 21. Follow along with me. At the end, and at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for, all, for the fall of, and rising of many in Israel and for the sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts... For many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin. And then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who are waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for the story, the account, the birth narrative, 
of your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that as we read it, it is inspired by your Holy Spirit. And we pray, Father, that as we read it and as we walk through it, that your spirit would impress upon our hearts your truth. And that your truth would lead us towards repentance. Your truth would lead us towards obedience. And that our hearts would be completely yours. So, Father, today we thank you for a time of family worship. We thank you for the families that are represented in this room. And we thank you for uh, just the turn of a new year as we look for your return. In Christ's name, amen. As we turn the page, we wait faithfully in submission to his word. That's the first thing. As you head into 2024, I would tell you to wait patiently, wait in submission to his word. It says there, verse 21, at the end of eight days when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Notice Luke gives us a timeline of waiting according to the Mosaic law. I think it's interesting here as we look at this, you'll see in verses 21, 22, and 23 that Luke is highlighting their obedience to the law. He's highlighting the fact that they waited the appropriate amount of time for each of these events because this is what was custom in that time, and it was also the fact that this is what was given to them by the law. Now, you've, you've, heard, the, you've heard the phrase, above the law, right? Well, they just think they're above the law. That means that, well, the law doesn't really apply to them. They, they get to do extra things. If anybody would have been above the law, don't you think it would have been Jesus? Don't you think that he would have been like, well, we don't have to follow the rules. We can actually go sooner than that. We can, we can do this or we can do that. No, they, they submit themselves to the law. In Galatians 4, 4 through 5. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Jesus was born, and even on the eighth day, you see him born under the law. So why was Jesus circumcised? Well, it identified him with the Abrahamic covenant, God's people. Think about this for a moment. This was the first time the blood of Christ was shed in his submission to the obedience to the will of God according to the law. This is the first moment where the blood of Christ is shed. It's done so in obedience to the will of God. And so here we see that Jesus is circumcised. Circumcision was a picture that flesh and sin had to be removed. It was a picture that signified that the seed of Abraham would bring deliverance. It was a picture that signified that salvation would come, and it would come through the removal of the flesh, removal of sin. And Jesus is the culmination of this. 2 Corinthians 5.21, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Ephesians 1, 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Again, in Galatians chapter 3, 13 through 16, we see the reference to Jesus being the offspring. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming the curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. To give a human example, brothers, even with a man-made covenant, no one annuls it or adds to it once it has been ratified. Now the promises were made to Abraham and his offspring. It does not say and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one. And to your offspring, who is Christ. Barnhouse says it this way, the circumcision was his first suffering for us. In the flesh, Jesus Christ, at eight days old, was already in submission 
to the will of God according to the word of God. He was already allowing himself to shed blood on our account at the age of eight. So why did Mary wait 40 days to enter the temple? It says there in verse 22, And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. So they waited. According to the law, Mary and Joseph were simply being obedient. Leviticus states it this way in 12, 1 through 4. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel, saying, If a woman conceives and bears a male child, and she shall be unclean seven days, as at the time of her menstruation, she shall be unclean. And on the eighth day, the flesh of his foreskin shall be circumcised. Then she shall continue for 33 days in the blood of her purifying. She shall not touch anything holy, nor come into the sanctuary until the days of her purifying are completed. Simply put, Mary and Joseph are following the law. They're living in submission to God's word. And they're doing it even though they have Jesus in their presence. A lot of times people who think, well, I've received Jesus. I don't, I don't really have to follow that rule. I don't really have to do that. And we begin to find that there are some who abuse grace and they begin to step away from God's word because, well, I've got Jesus. And so they begin to abuse grace. But yet we see the example by Mary and Joseph that they were willing to submit themselves to the law. So here's a side note. Parents, as you sit in here today with your children who are watching you worship, if you want to raise your children in the faith, let them see you be faithfully submissive to his word. If you live lives as if you are above the law and his word, don't be surprised when your kids fully abandon the law. Why did they make a sacrifice? As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord. A pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Mary and Joseph, they continue in their submission to the Lord by even bringing a sacrifice. As we continue in Leviticus chapter 12, it goes on to say this in 6 through 8. When the days of repurifying are completed, whether for a son or for a daughter, she shall bring to the priest at the entrance of the tent of meeting a lamb, a year old, for a burnt offering. And a pigeon... Or a turtle dove for a sin offering, and he shall offer it before the Lord and make atonement for her. Then she shall be clean from the flow of her blood. This is the law for her who bears a child, either male or female. And if she cannot afford a lamb, then she shall take two turtle doves or two pigeons, one for a burnt offering and the other for a sin offering. And the priest shall make atonement for her, and she shall be clean. There's a lot going on here, but we see that these are the humble beginnings of Jesus. That Mary and Joseph couldn't afford a lamb, and yet they brought the Lamb of God into the temple that day. We see that more than likely, the wise men haven't visited yet, otherwise they would have had enough money to purchase a lamb. And yet they go in, and they're submissive to the Word of God and His will. Ken Hughes says, God did not and does not come to the self-sufficient. This is a truth that we must remind ourselves of again and again. Christianity, wrongly understood, gives some an elusive sense of personal spiritual adequacy. Even the born again can wrongly turn spiritual advances into prideful self-sufficiency, a sense the one has arrived. We must continually guard against this with ourselves, 
Our only adequacy is in Christ. Faithfully waiting for a new beginning should be done in submissive obedience to his word. As we head into 2024, my challenge would be that you head into 2024 with a heart that is submissive to the word of God. I'm not going to live as if I'm above the law. I'm going to live according to his word. So wait faithfully in submission to his word and be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. We're now introduced to another individual in the biblical narrative, Simeon. Jesus is now 40 days old. And there in the temple is a man who has been waiting. It says there in verse 25, Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. Simeon was a devout believer who exemplified his faith through a continual waiting for the Messiah. So how does Luke describe Simeon? Well, I've got him highlighted there. It's righteous, devout, waiting, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Righteous. In our modern language, we would just say that Simeon was a believer. He was saved by grace through faith. It's not a work of his own. It was righteousness that was not of his own. He was a man of faith. Not only that, he was a man that was devout. Not only was his righteousness found in Christ, but he was devoted to the Lord. He's one that was reverent and watchful of his ways. And as he was righteous and devout, he was waiting. I love that Chip ended with, Come thou long expected Jesus, and gave us some new lyrics, because this is exactly what was happening. There was a man who was waiting waiting on the Lord. Let me read those lyrics to you again. Come, thou long-expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. From our fears and sins, release us. Let us find our rest in thee. Israel's strength and consolation, hope for all the earth thou art. Dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart. This man, Simeon, in the description, is someone who is longing for Christ. Is that you today? Longing for his return? And the Holy Spirit was upon him. It's important to note that it was upon him. In the New Testament, we find a clear teaching that when you receive Christ, you receive his spirit. It dwells within you. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20 says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you? Whom you have from God, you are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God with your body. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. But here we see Simeon, and it says that it came upon him. And this is the Old Testament language that the Spirit would often come upon saints for a specific moment, for a specific purpose. And so we see that just like the Holy Spirit came upon Joshua and David and Saul and Samson, the Spirit is coming upon Simeon. As, Paul, as David would say in Psalm 51, 10 through 12, creating me a clean heart, O God. And renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Even in David's confession, he's saying, I want your spirit to rest upon me. So Simeon is a believer. 
He is godly. He's devout. He's demonstrating his faith. He's waiting and he's hoping for the appearance of Christ. And he is like all saints in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, completely dependent upon the Spirit and the Spirit's help. So this is Simeon. And so what did the Holy Spirit enable Simeon to do? Well, one, the Holy Spirit enabled Simeon to be in the right place at the right time. This is God's providence. Being sensitive to the Spirit allowed him to be in the right place at the right time. He had, he had been given a word, and he knew that that day was coming. Alexander McLaren says, Think of the old man waiting there in the sanctuary, told by God that he was thus about to have the fulfillment of his lifelong desire, and yet probably not knowing what kind of shape the fulfillment would take. There is no reason to believe that he knew he would, he would see an infant, and he waits. And presently... A peasant woman comes in with a child in her arms, and there arises in his soul a voice. Anoint him, for this is he. And so, whether he expected such a vision or no, he takes the child in his arms and says, Lord, now, now, after all these years of waiting, let us thou, thy servant, depart in peace. What did the Spirit enable Simeon to do? Number two, the Holy Spirit enabled Simeon to see salvation at the end of his life. That's God's provision. This is the need of all mankind, to see Jesus, to know Christ before they take their last breath. Spurgeon says, men who have the Spirit will be led by the Spirit. Simeon came into the temple at the right moment, just when a young man was entering with his wife and newborn child. He came by the Spirit into the temple. He came in. I say at the right time. Did ever anybody who was not led by the Spirit find Christ? Be sensitive to the Spirit because the Spirit will lead us towards Christ. What did the Holy Spirit enable Simeon to do? Well, the Holy Spirit, number three, enabled Simeon to proclaim the gospel, and that's God's plan. It goes all the way back to Isaiah chapter 42, verses 5 through 7. Thus says God, the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness, speaking of Christ. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you a covenant for the people, a light for the nations, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison, those who sit in darkness. This is what the Holy Spirit does in the life of a believer. It empowers proclamation. And this is what God's plan is for us. As we move from 2023 into 2024, that we are spirit-led, that we are led to proclaim the gospel. Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Romans 1.16, Paul says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and to also the Greek. The Holy Spirit had come upon him so that he would be one that proclaims Jesus. So what did the Holy Spirit reveal about Jesus? Well, the Holy Spirit revealed the polarizing effects Jesus would have on humanity. Verse 34, And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed. 1 Corinthians 1, 23 and 24, But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and folly to the Gentiles. 
But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Have you ever played with magnets? You know, you get magnets and, you know, you, you try to make them connect. But if you, if you get the same side going towards one another, the same ends, they, they will repel one another. You ever notice this? This is exactly what is happening here in this verse. This is Simeon's prophecy about Jesus. He's saying that those who will not humble themselves, those who think highly of themselves, those who follow the law and think, well, I'm a good person, they'll be pushed away from Christ. But those who are humble, those who understand that they're sinners, they'll be drawn towards Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. Number two, the Holy Spirit revealed the painful effect Jesus' crucifixion would have on human hearts, and namely, on Mary's. It says there in verse 35, The sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Simeon speaks of the pain Mary would feel when she would witness firsthand the literal piercing of Jesus, his hands, his feet, and his side as he hangs on the cross. Simeon speaks of the pain many hearts would feel when they're told of what Christ has done on their behalf. The words, the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, reveals that our heart's response to the crucifixion of Christ indicates who we really are before the Lord. At the hearing of the gospel, there is polarizing effects. Either at the hearing of the gospel, your heart is pierced and you are drawn towards him, or at the hearing of the gospel, you are puffed up in pride and you are repelled by him. This is what Simeon says. So we wait faithfully in submission to his word, be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, and here's the last one, and remain steady in service. As we look into a new year, remain steady in service. So how does Luke describe Anna? We shift from Simeon to Anna. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived her uh, with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. So we see that she's a prophetess. This simply means that she was in the temple serving as a teacher of Old Testament scriptures. She was a widow. She was advanced in years. She was devoted in her life of worshiping in the temple. As the scriptures indicate, Anna had been married for only seven years when she became a widow. And from that time on, she remained a widow for the rest of her life. She did not remarry. And she did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. After becoming a widow, Anna dedicated herself to the service of the Lord. So what does Anna reveal to us about genuine worship and service? Well, Anna worshiped in steady service to the Lord with a life of purity. I don't think it's any uh, accident that these verses are given to us, that she was advanced in years, that she lived with her husband for seven years, and then when she was widowed until she was 84, her life was marked by a life of purity. Her life was separated to the Lord. This reference to her marital history reveals that Anna had her eyes fixed on seeing the Lord. Unfortunately, many Christians are weak in their worship and their service because their lives are not, number one, devoted to purity. It seems to be the one area in the Christian world that seems to be attacked the most, doesn't it? Impurity, working its way into congregations. 
impurity working its way into the life of believers. And yet, churches would be full of those singing songs of worship on Sunday morning with lives that have been lived in impure ways all week long. Not in Anna's case. In Anna's case, she was devoted to the Lord in an act of service with a life of purity. The second thing we see is Anna worshipped in steady service to the Lord with a life of prayer. She was a woman of prayer. Martin Luther says to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. She was someone who was faithful. As she waited on new beginnings to start each and every day, she did it with prayer and with fasting. Let me ask you, are you a person of prayer? Possibly your life this past year has not been filled with as faithful acts as you had hoped it would be. Maybe you haven't worshipped as fervently as you ought, or maybe your life hasn't been marked by purity like you wish. Then I would say begin this year with prayer. Be faithful in prayer. And what does Anna reveal to us about genuine worship? Well, thirdly and lastly, Anna worshipped in a steady service to the Lord with a life of proclaiming Jesus. It says there in verse 38, And coming up at the very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Those who were waiting for the redemption. We should be a voice speaking and proclaiming Jesus to all those who are waiting for the redemption, waiting to hear the good news of the gospel. So here's my challenge for us as we move from 2023 to 2024. May we worship in a life of purity. May we worship with devotion to prayer. And may we worship with lives who are so full of thanksgiving that we proclaim Jesus to those we encounter. So in 2024, will you wait on the second coming of our Lord in faithful submission to his word by being sensitive to his spirit and by remaining steady in worshipful service? William?